Steve Addison and you're listening to the Movements Podcast. We're continuing a series called From Church to Movement. Today I'm talking to Don Waybright, who's the missions pastor at Sugar Creek Baptist Church in Texas. I began by asking Don what Sugar Creek's mission is. It's an Acts 1-8 strategy, so we're, we're balanced both locally and globally. Uh, we've got a huge mission field right here locally. It's the most diverse county in, in America, Fort Bend County, where we're at on a suburb of outskirts of Houston. And then the city of Houston is an incredible mission field. It's very diverse, over 5 million people. Uh, the nations have come here, so it's a huge mission field for us. And then uh, in our Samaria strategy, we look at North America and where the gospel's already at in the Central America and Latin America and such. So we have some focus on, right now it's it's uh, four by four movements in North America that we're focused on, working with Jeff Sundell and partnering with him. And then also uh, launching these type of movements in Honduras, Peru, along the Amazon, and in Colombia. And then our ends-of-the-earth strategy is strictly engagement of uh, North India and the unreached people groups in North India. Well, what's been happening on the ground at Sugar Creek? Because I, I, I guess that's the thing that's got my attention, that you be, you're getting traction in terms of, of reaching your own community, your own city, um, with the gospel through through movements. So what, what's been the story there? Well, um, there's multiple streams going on. It's a, Sugar Creek is a, a large church. It's considered a mega church, but in Houston it would be a mini mega church. We average about 4,000 people uh, in attendance on a Sunday, but there's some huge mega churches in Houston. Mm. And uh, so we would be a mini one. But still, with the megachurch, it's very attractional. And our focus is trying to be the both and, attractional and missional, and engage, you know, be a catalyst for missional movements. Uh, in the city of Houston, I mentioned that it's, it's, it's a, an incredible mission field. The nations are here. Uh, we've been able to partner and, and catalyze a team of missionaries, in a sense, to with a move-in strategy. They've got an incarnational presence among the refugees. It's a group that we partnered with uh, several years ago that were focused on uh, disciple-making movement principles. And we were using those principles to reach an unengaged, unreached people group in Mozambique. But then we were able to formulate a team. Most of of this team is from the Midwest, Mm-hmm. And they've moved into the refugee community of Houston. And during that journey, as we've prayed with them, we've done prayer marches in that context. We've, our church will do what we call access events, partner with them. It's kind of like a little mini short-term trip, a one-day type project where they get exposure to that mission field, get exposure to that mission team and, and the work that they're doing. And then they can take steps to more progressive involvement. So... We've had about half a dozen people from our church now join that team. And so they're embedded incarnationally, living among the refugee community 
of mainly it's South Asians, Burmese, Bhutanese, Nepalese, and I'd say within a few square blocks, it's so it's a high density multi-housing population with probably about fifty thousand refugees within a few mm-hmm. a few blocks, and within that, we began engage them with these church planning movement principles about three years ago. But as we started partnering in North India and starting working with uh, Nathan Shanks and his team, we started learning about the four fields and really got turned on to that and saw that that was some best practice and some of the best missiology the world's ever seen. And we started using some of those principles and started training those principles with our team here in Houston. That was about two years ago. After that training, we've seen incredible breakthroughs. We now see... Uh, fourth-generation disciples, uh, multiple streams of fourth-generation disciples, probably within the past two years in that context of of Hindu, uh, Buddhist, and Muslim, Burmese, Bhutanese, and uh, Nepalese. We, we, we see about over 300 disciples now in the past two years. Uh, not a, we, We're still weak in uh, multiplying churches and the formation of churches. That's something we need to refine. Uh, There's probably about half a dozen churches now that are healthy churches, but they're mostly first generation. I think there might be one second generation church. But we've got fifth and sixth generation disciples uh, making disciples. So there is a a disciple-making movement. We need to get more focus and intentionality in in the formation of the church. And one of the challenges has been baptism. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the husbands have been... uh, uh, they're not allowing their families to be baptized on many occasions. I mean, we'll have women that are ready to be baptized. Their their entire their teenage children and such are ready to be baptized, but then the father will will stop that. So those are some things that we're trying to learn and and trying to you know trying to reach the men. But the men are working like crazy. They work incredible hours and just trying to survive here. So we're trying to create some even some context. To where we can help them, you know, in, in employment and things like that. So you've been effective in in reaching uh, the families, but but uh, there's a a trend that you you're not able to reach the men. Yeah, it's very limited. We've had we haven't had too much success reaching the men. Mm. Okay, but 300 people have come to faith. A number of first-generation churches, but as yet you're not seeing those churches multiply and, and produce further generations. Yeah, and I think it's, um, I think it's going to be refining our training again because there's been such an emphasis, emphasis on you know, multiple generations of disciples making disciples and not enough emphasis on the church and, and looking at the church from the beginning point versus uh, assuming it's just going to form naturally. Mm. Now, wh- why haven't you um, sought to, to bring these people and fold them into the church at Sugar Creek or, or start a you know, a Nepali congregation at Sugar Creek? Or, you know, why, why not go that way? Well, one is there's many factors. One is we really want it to be an indigenous movement that's multiplying throughout within the people themselves and training up leaders and such. Um, 
it needs to be very organic in a sense that it's, it's a rural, um, it's an urban setting that uh, you know they're working in uh, different hours and there's different zones of time that you can access people. Um, there's transportation issues, there's language issues. So we're trying to do it all within their their heart language, within their heart context, within their own uh, community, and let it just continue to multiply within their community. So there's a lot of leadership development. We've just formed, in that context, an alternative school for these refugee kids. Um, what we're, we were seeing is that about 90% of the boys were dropping out by the time they reached high school. They were dropping out of high school. And so we've just created an alternative school. Uh, we've got 12 students in it now. They're all middle school age boys. And it's focused on academic excellence, but also they've been selected for their leadership potential. And each one of those leaders now has multiple streams of disciples that are making disciples. So the idea is to release them back into the high school context, release them back into their community in a few years, such that they are kingdom leaders. And they start, they're going to be here in this community for a long time. So right now we're just focusing on raising up those long-term leaders that will be influencers in that community in the future. And so this began as you, you partnered with a, a team that came from the Midwest and you got Sugar Creek people sort of got some exposure, some one-day uh, exposure events, and some of them joined the team. But then it's jumped from them to the people in the community are coming to faith and they're leading their friends and family to Christ. Yes, one of the things that we do, we for years Sugar Creek's had an urban camp, and I think we've been doing it for 25 years now, it's, and it's it's a free camp for at-risk urban kids, and it was originally designed for the hip hop culture, and but now we've got the nations here, so we we created a new camp just about two years ago, two years ago called the multicultural camp. So now we'll take about a hundred of the South Asian uh, teenagers to this camp and, and they get exposed to the gospel. Which all of them, I mean, a, a life-changing decision to follow Jesus Christ and we begin discipleship of them. But through that, we start reaching their families. So they all speak English, even though they're first-generation parents that are here, uh, you know, don't speak English. So we're able to reach their families through their children and so that's been the catalyst for the entire movement is reaching the entire families through their children. Now, like I said, we still have some weakness to overcome with the, the fathers. Mm. But Sugar Creek um, or, you know, for you and your team, it's just an interesting mix. On, on one hand, you've been the, the catalyst to get it started, and now it's spreading through new believers in the community. And on the other hand, you've you've sort of monitored the progress and you're going in and tweaking or you're creating an initiative or you're partnering with something that's happening in the community. So there, there's still an ongoing role for you and, and the team at Sugar Creek. So it's a mixture of it's an indigenous movement and yet you still have you're partnering with what God's doing in the community. Yeah, that's a, a good and accurate summary. 
there's a movement taking place. There's a wave of, of this activity taking place here in North America. And one of the top leaders of that, as you know, is Jeff Sundell. And we're in a tight relationship with him and coaching and mentoring with and some of his top leaders, like Fred Campbell and such. And so we're all speaking the same language now. We're all sharing best practices. Uh, the, the language has become the four fields. I mean, what are you doing in field one to reach you know, such and such people? What's your best practice in field two to reach such and such people? So now we're able to take those best practices, and all of us are iron sharpening iron, and we we can now take that into the you know in the context that we're working at here in Houston, and we keep sharpening our process and sharpening our approach there, and and it's a it's a common language and a common dialogue that's taking place in North America right now, and it's you know it's no one owns it, it's mm. like an open source, mm. and it's 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 uh, exciting to be part of it. Now there's a couple other streams we have as well. Okay. Uh, at the University of Houston. Uh, we've launched a church, it's now a year old, that is an incubator of these principles. It's, a, it's designed such that it's, it's creating uh, this movement on the campus, a very diverse campus there at the University of Houston. And then what you'll see in North America, a lot of these state universities or major state universities are right near mar- marginalized communities. So the University of Houston... Right, right adjacent to, to the University of Houston is an area of Houston called Third Ward. And it's one of the most marginalized uh, communities in, in the country. And so that also becomes a mission field for that, that movement taking place on a campus as they're going out making disciples there in that, uh, that mainly African-American, uh, very poor, uh, disempowered community of Third Ward. We've also released a person from our staff that's now a missionary in that context. So they're focusing on, you know, this movement there and reproducing disciples and multiplying the church. We have first and second generation, many first and second generation churches there. Um, now we've got another thread in the prison system around Houston. Uh, we're in a maximum security prison. We've been training these principles and it's already spreading throughout uh the Darrington Maximum Security Prison, and then there's some there's another prison system adjacent to Houston uh, that where the principals are spreading as well, and we've been invited by the wardens in the in the Texas Correctional System to start training uh, training in these prisons about 26 prison units around Houston start training in these T for T principles. Who who will you be training? The inmates themselves. So. You know, like at maximum at the Darrington Maximum Security Prison, you got these lifers that are in there. They're they're passionate for God. They're filled with apostolic passion, and they are absorbing uh, these principles and multiplying, you know, organic, simple churches throughout the prison system. My goodness! And so you're seeing this uh, spread amongst immigrant groups. Uh, marginalized, long-term, I guess, well-fed or even drug and alcohol-dependent folk in, in, in marginalized communities, uh, in the prison system, anywhere else? Well, you know, we want to reach the suburbs. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've seen Fred Campbell. Uh, we, we know that it does work in the suburbs. These are 
principles that will work within any people group in any context. And we're seeing that in North America now with Jeff Sundell's network. So we're, we're just now experimenting with that in the suburbs. We're launching these, uh, we're calling them grace groups. It's kind of a, a blend of a missional community, uh, T4T type uh, context where we're, we're launching groups in, a, in certain master plan communities and, uh, and we're training them in these principles and sword method and the three thirds and, and the focus of, of kingdom principles and multiplying their groups within the suburbs. So we just started that. We actually had a retreat this past weekend uh, with uh, several families, young families that were trained in those principles and we're launching here this fall. Okay, and they're just in, like, growth suburbs, just your typical... Yes, are, um, yeah, typical assimilation zone of the megachurch out yeah. in the suburbs in these master plan communities. Okay, and what will be the relationship between the, the groups that form in the suburbs and, and the church at Sugar Creek? Well, we still, part of, you know, they're... They're implanted in their community. They're they have they're intentional about sharing the conversations of Jesus Christ throughout their community. Within a two year period, we expect everyone in their master plan community. Some of these master plan communities have thousands of homes, so we expect within a two years that every person in that master plan community will have a mouth to ear conversation about Jesus Christ. So they're very intentional about spreading the gospel and living out the gospel with great intentionality, but they're still connected to the irresistible church. So there's some great beauty in our church as far as its worship, its uh, children's programs, things like that. So there's still a connection on Sunday morning with the irresistible church. But they are the mission outpost of the church in that master plan community. You know, you've been on a journey of, of, of time in terms of how you implement there in your own backyard. So what have you learned about um, helping the church go that journey and, and own it and get involved? Well, one, it's a slow process, mm-hmm. and you've got to be a little bit patient. Um, you've got to change the thinking paradigm. The language is important. Um, language is very important. Uh, sometimes language can offend, and if you try to push certain language too quickly and they get red flags and, and will shut down. Um, I know just a few years ago, maybe five years ago, I couldn't even say the word missional. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but now, you know, it's just common vernacular. I mean, it's so you just got to gotta watch your language. Language is very important until they're understanding of the concepts. And you really got to back everything up with the Bible. You got to show them from the Bible that this is, you know, this is, derived from the word these these strategies these approaches this philosophy philosophy of ministry is derived from the word of god and uh and then you just you got to continue just be disciplined in the vision and uh and slowly move people along in it i'll give you an example my senior pastor uh, i was casting vision for what what for a lot of what's taking place in Houston, and and he really challenged it, and I really felt out of that vision meeting that I, I had failed to communicate properly. I thought I failed. He comes into my office the next day, and he says, "Don, I've been doing this this ministry for 35 years. I've got 35 years of experience. I got all this education. I have a PhD and such and such, and and this is who I am. 
I don't understand your language. Mm. I don't understand you, but I want you to continue to speak that language. And so, I mean, he that's a kind of context, leadership context I'm in. So I've got the freedom. Yeah. They, they may not completely understand me, but they know it's right. We've been training our staff. We've had multiple training uh, days where we've trained our staff on the four fields principles. Um, we call it a lot, we've changed the wording a lot of times. We call it the napkin now. For a while, we were using uh, your model out of the uh, out of your your book, What Jesus Started. Well, I, I just uh, stole it from Nathan Shank's Four Fields, with, uh, and, yeah, and mentioned that in the book too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and so we used that. We called that the napkin. We were doing a connect, share, and yeah. train and gather for a while. But then now you're seeing through Sundell's network a a common language, yes. so we shifted to that common language of uh, of go and, and gospel and grow and gather. So that's become really the common language that we're all talking now. Mm-hmm. But we call that the napkin, and so we do this napkin training with our staff and in our church. We call it Great Commission training. Uh, and also now we're training uh, all our youth leaders are now using the sword method in their discipleship groups. We've got several... Sunday school classes or Bible fellowships that use the sword method and the three-thirds method now. So we're starting to see people start using these principles within the spiritual formation part of the church. And so as we continue to see that, we're going to see more adopters of this, and hopefully we'll see more people walking in obedience-based discipleship where they're actually out making disciples. I want to get more trainers. I mean, I, I want to empower the leaders in our church to be the trainers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we've got a great opportunity throughout North America. I think there's a, a hunger for these principles throughout North America, but we need more people that are uh, actually doing it and actually able to train it. So I think we still got great opportunities in the West, in the Midwest, in the North of, of the country and such. And so I'm hoping that we can raise up trainers within our church, people that are applying these methods, both locally and globally, and then they'll start giving up their weekends periodically to do workshops throughout the Midwest and, and the Northwest. So those trainers will be volunteers? Yes. Okay. Well, what's unfolding in terms of um, where this is headed, Don? What What is it that now you're this far down the track, what is it that... God's putting on your heart and on the heart of, uh, you know, the church at Sugar Creek in terms of his call and, and the vision that you have? Well, uh, last year we recalibrated our mission. We were typical of most large churches in, in our denomination that would have doing missions all over the place. It was very diluted. Our light was diluted around the world and we wanted to, in order to penetrate deep darkness, we had this uh, affirmation that we needed to really have a laser focus in certain target areas and really go deep. And so that's what we did last year. We really recalibrated our mission and started eliminating some things, getting a tighter focus, say, for instance, North India, and focus on the refugee community of Houston and, and such. And so what we're doing now is just taking that deeper and refining our methods and as you've heard some of my dialogue we've got some weaknesses and we've got some iron sharpened iron and looking at you know what we're doing having other outsiders look at it and taking it 
deeper and, and, and refining our best practices and such and trying to be even more effective where we're at. Okay, so you have those fields of responsibility as, as a church that you've identified. So you've, you've got to put your heart and soul into that. But I was also hearing there's a growing vision for North America. Yes. Uh, not so much that Sugar Creek is taking on North America, but Sugar Creek wants to help reproduce other churches in other parts of the country by yes. training them so they can adopt their fields in their, their backyard or in other places like you're doing in, in North India. Yeah, that's, that's real accurate. Um, you know, our missions committee uh, in that recalibration process, we were targeting church planting in, North, in New England area. You know, New England is post-Christian America, and, and it's a very strategic area. But as we're seeing where God's at work in North America, we're seeing the emergence of these 4 by 4 movements and Jeff Sundell being a catalyst of that. And so we refined that approach of saying we want to, you know, support and catalyze these movements throughout North America. So now we're in partnership and we're supporting financially Jeff Sundell and his network. Um, we're actually hosting uh, some of their mid-level and high-level training in November here in Houston. Uh, like I said, we want to be able to equip even more leaders and start taking these principles to different parts of of United States. We're using some of our relationships that we have throughout the country in order to get an audience and start shifting the paradigm in some of these associations and, and networks around the country. Don, what would you say to somebody who's listening to this um, it's part of a series that I've called From Church to Movement. And they're listening to this and say, hey, we want to buy in. <laughs> you know, we, we, we want to go this journey that you've been on. Um, what would you encourage them to do just to get started and, and to start well? That's a good question. Um, I really think they need to sit down with Jeff Sundell and, and some Fred Campbell, some of these guys, they need to hear the stories of what God's doing in North America. I mean, people said for a long time, this can't happen mm -hmm. in the United States. It was happening all over the world, but they said it couldn't happen in the United States. Then they said it couldn't happen in the suburbs and, and or in the city. And But God is, is breaking out all over in this context using these principles from you know the New Testament. So I would sit down with Jeff Sundell and Fred Campbell, hear the story of God's activity, and then they can start teaching them the simple principles. They can kind of join this open source network and start entering into this dialogue and you know, just start taking baby steps towards that, uh, that, towards that movement. <laughs>